All right. So it's a new week. There's a new packet. Chris has been doing a great job distributing the uh, class handouts. And so I thought uh, one interesting thing is that you know we've spent quite a bit of time talking about we ought to talk about God, and then we spent a bit of time talking about man, and we spent quite a bit of time the last few weeks talking about salvation and how God has redeemed mankind. And so we're going to take the next uh, week or two to pause, not talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit specifically, and not really focusing on man, but talking about the other created beings. Okay, So talking about uh, angels, talking about Satan, talking about demons. And so um, it's probably not something that as a whole we focus a lot of our time on. And so I thought, um, what are some? Th- I thought we might just have a little bit of discussion. What are some things when you think about uh, angels or demons, and you can include s- Satan in there? Things that um, maybe are some misperceptions or questions that you um, have heard people say when they think about angels, demons. Maybe some things that you know from Scripture. Maybe things that you have thought about, wonder about when you think about angels and demons. Um, uh, I thought w- this is more um, in the introduction you'll see that we talked about highway to heaven touched by an angel those are like mm, 80s 90s 2000s <laughs> California angels is I like that that's still in there and uh, I've kind of lost track I know probably more oh, recent there's angels and demons which is like in that Dan Brown Seems like there's a lot more like exorcism movies now. Yeah, it's more like the horror genre focuses a lot on like the exorcisms of demons, so more of a demon focus than. I couldn't think of as many recent angel uh, type references in the modern culture. Did you think of any other? Supernatural TV show. Is that about angels? Yeah. Okay. Gabriel's in there. What's that? Has angels and demons. Angels and demons. Okay. Supernatural. Uh huh. Talking back and forth, right? Interchanging. Yeah. So there is kind of this fascination uh, with it in the culture. I mean, when you think about angels and demons, are there any particular thoughts that come to mind about what do you think about angels and demons? What What is the common conception that comes to your mind? That there's both good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, I think it was around the time when I had, not long after I'd become a believer, uh, I read these fictional books. Guess who? Frank Peretti. Yes. You know, right? Frank Peretti, Frank Peretti. So he has this whole, like, fictional uh, series, and it's, uh, I think, with this present darkness and something, the darkness. And there was this, like, the heavenly angels were battling, and it was very kind of military genre going on in the background, people battling. So, any other things that come to mind when you think about angels, demons? Think of, like, the far side, the you know, devil with, like, the horns and the pitchfork. Right, right. And, like, punishing people in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, are the angels in the clouds, you know, the or, gates? Yeah, speaking of the 90s, right? Uh, I think it's about timeless, man. Timeless. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> of like Valentine's Day, how Cupid's a name, yeah, like this uh-huh. angel that shoots uh-huh. arrows at people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
or the misconception when people say that someone passed away and they're an angel in heaven. Yeah, yeah, becoming an angel, yeah. right? There's the, um, the even further back. There's the every time the bell rings, the angel gets his wings, and there's the I've come to it's a it's a wonderful life, and I've come to earn my wings and yeah. do something good. To yeah, like I did a funeral one time, and it's kind of a tragic death of a young girl who grew up here. And on the funeral program, they had a picture like her senior picture, and they put angel wings uh, on her on her back. But yeah, that was really what. They yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 There's been a new wave, at least that I've seen on the internet, where they, they take uh, paganistic religion and tie it to angels. Hmm. So they'll, they'll have things like angel numbers, and it's like the same way conspiracy theorists look at things uh-huh. with random numbers and somehow it's supposed to mean something. Okay. Um, and so like you, you get special powers okay. if, if you learn your angel numbers today and if you know what your angel numbers are, um, your angels will bless you with special wow. powers. With special crystals? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, usually white and powdery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so I guess when we talk about so we're kind of grouping all these together we'll talk about you know angels right as well as demons and then the specifics of, of Satan not Stan there's an A in there <laughs> no offense to any stands <laughs> Satan right and so uh, I think we'll talk about like Again, right? What does the Bible say first, and then like maybe the implication later? So, a lot of the questions that we have, we think about, you know, how do angels and demons uh, affect, you know, what effect should they have on us in our study of our theology? And so, we want to just do an overview of what does the scripture say? Where do we see angels and demons revealed in scripture? And so, that's kind of how we're going to go through it. So, when we look at um, angels, we're going to give this definition here uh, for point number two that um, they are created and they are spiritual beings. They have moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. So these are created spiritual beings. Uh, they come in different orders, such as the cherubim, who guard the guardian, the seraphim, who worship the Lord, and Michael, who is described as an archangel. Right? However, scripture is unclear as to whether or not their systematic rank of these creatures. Even though we do not know how they're ordered, the Bible testifies to myriads and myriads of angels. And so, when you think about um, the Bible's reference to angels, there's actually quite a few terms that are used. Um, the main one being the word angel, things like a messenger, a messenger. And so, when you when we study angels, there may be a lot of scriptures where you say, okay, where did the, where did that say angel, right? So it might be messenger of the Lord or there's places where we might talk about the, the angel of the Lord or messenger of the Lord or the cherubim or the seraphim. So there's quite a few terms that we want to recognize uh, when we look at. All right, so let's kind of hit the main point. So first thing, right, angels and demons, Satan alike, are all kind of in that same category with man in the sense that they're created. Right? So all, every being, angelic, demonic, and Satan himself are all created. We can see that 
you may wonder, you know, where, where are angels in this passage? Um, so let's look at Colossians 1.16. Okay. Drew, you got it? For by, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Yeah. So you don't see the word angels, but what do you see there that includes them? All things. All things, right? Whether they are what? Visible or invisible, right? Whether they're on the earth or in the heavens, okay? So we know that there are these, these created beings are created by God. And then they're spirit beings, okay? So, Cole, you want to get uh, Hebrews 1.14? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Mm-hmm. And so, in general, they don't have uh, physical bodies. And we'll talk about kind of exceptions to that. But they are spiritual, usually not physical. Dot, dot, dot. Right? So there are times when we see uh, angels take on a physical form, but in general we see that they are spiritual beings existing in in spiritual form. Um, And then this one, point three, let's read Genesis 19.1. Tanner, you get that? Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. And so here we have the angels uh, appearing, and they appeared in the form of men. Okay, uh, we, if we read later in the account, we, the people of the town, where are the men who have come, right, to bring them out to us, right? And so I've heard uh, it. It also said that the angels themselves, um, they don't really have a sex or gender in the sense that they're not physical beings like we are. And so they don't marry, we'll see, they don't reproduce. But when they are in physical form, um, they're always referred to in the masculine. Okay, They're never referred to in the feminine. And so that's just something that we observe uh, from Scripture here. So we would say, when, when given a, a gender, it'd be masculine. When used. So he, and then they are eternal beings. Okay, so Matthew twenty-two thirty. Chris, can you get that? Matthew twenty-two thirty. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Yeah. So here, um, he's Jesus is not really focusing that first part. He's talking about uh, when we are resurrected, but saying they are like the angels in heaven when we. reach our eternal state. And so we have that they're eternal as well. So just kind of pause here. Is there any ways in which this clashes with kind of popular perception uh, or common perception about angels? Or does this all kind of fit what what we generally think of? All these characteristics. The masculine part. They're portrayed as feminine. Yeah. Or babies. Or babies. Angel babies? <laughs> Why do you think that is? Have you thought about? Isn't there a sub... I don't know if you can see this. Isn't there subsections? So I don't know if chair of them are actually mm-hmm. 
feel like the Bible mentions cherubim and seraphim. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's many different types of angels in terms of their maybe their roles, like how they're described and what they do, um, and then their title in a sense. And you have the archangel, and you have cherubim and seraphim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris. I kind of feel like the reason why they're portrayed more feminine in modern culture is because the whole idea of angels is like these nurturing, watchful beings who are just like. Mm-hmm. Like omnipresent, they're watching over you, mm-hmm. and so it, I think it'd be a lot more like uncomfortable for people to kind of imagine it's this big old swole guy just like standing next to invisibly. <laughs> the big sword. Yeah, yeah, big sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder about that. I think there's times where, you, especially some of the times where we talk about angels in the Old Testament, they're messengers of God's wrath. They're viewed as very mighty and powerful, striking down thousands of enemies. Yeah, I read an interesting book called um, The War on Toxic Masculinity. No, The Toxic War on Masculinity okay. by Nancy Piercy. And she makes an argument that um, during the Industrial Revolution, men were taken out of the home. And women kind of remained as like the guardians of virtue. Okay. And they were the ones who would, you know, who would nurture spiritual instruction and kind of took that place where the men would often be given over to drunkenness of their own independent life away from the mm-hmm. home. And so um, the idea of, of virtue was feminized at that point in time. And mm-hmm. that's when I think they say they kind of switched to having more female angels mm. and kind of a, you know, the, you know, the pious female woman who would mm-hmm. rescue the savage man. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's an interesting argument. I don't know enough about history yeah. to know if that's the case, but so that's kind of what she argues when there was a turning point. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's there's a little bit of that could could both be happening. Where our view of man, man and woman, is like what you're saying. As we as we change our view of what what uh, what man is like, what woman like, that affects <coughs> our view here. And also, I think sometimes as messengers of God, um, our view of who God is and what we want God to be like can also influence uh, that as well in the sense of um, the type of God that we want influences the type of messengers that, that he might send and what they would be like, whether they would be um, something to be feared or something that's cute and cuddly like a little, little baby angel. Um, so let's let's keep going. Let's f- read a few more of these. So Hebrews 2.7 Carson, you want to get that one? Thou hast made them for a little while lower than angels Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and hast appointed him over the works of thy hands. And then let's read, uh, if we read 1 Corinthians 6 3, do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more matters of this life? So there's a note there, even though the angels have a higher level of, in God's order of creation, redeemed mankind will sit in the seat of authority during the new creation. So you can kind of see how, in one way, they're higher, and one way, man is higher is that like you see both are kind of portrayed there and what do you notice in the Hebrews too and about how they man is lower than the angels what is the there's kind of a qualifier for a little while while? Mm -hmm. and then is there anything that you would tie so um, is there anything you would tie to like the timing in the first Corinthians passage as to when do we judge the angels? That's something we've done in the past. Seems like at the resurrection. So we get the future tense, right? We will. 
So it seems like there's a certain sense in which up to the resurrection and redemption, man's role with the angels is a little bit different versus after in, in the new kingdom, the new, new heavens and the new earth. And so um, then we have intelligence. So Mark 13, 32. Joe, can you get that one? But of that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So intelligent. What would, what would make you think from that passage, intelligent, I'll try and spell it correct, intelligent, that it means that they're not just intelligent, but very intelligent. Anything from that particular? Seems surprising that they wouldn't even yeah. know. Not even, right? Yeah. If anyone would know, right? You would expect, you know, maybe man doesn't know, but you'd think the angels would at least would know this. And so they have this intelligence that they were kind of ascribing to them, much like when we talk about the Holy Spirit as not just a force or not just a cloud. The angels are, they have this personhood, they have a mind, they have intellect. Um, Scott, um, yeah. First Peter 1, 12 comes to mind as well. Mm-hmm. Because it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Yeah. That came like curiosity mm-hmm. among the angels. Yeah. To understand what God's doing in salvation. <laughs> so they, right, they long to look. They have, um, you might say, a des- desire or affections. Right? They long to look into those things that would kind of pair with those. Yeah. Okay. Mm, when we talk about, oh yeah, now we're getting to the, not maybe not a baby angel in this one. Angels excel in physical strength. Okay. Andrew, you want to get Psalm 103.20? Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Mm-hmm. And then Isaiah 37. 36, Aiden, you get that one. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. Right. So 185,000. Angel, so mighty. Anybody have an answer to that before I weigh in on that? So, one of the things, one of the ideas, right, is that they are spiritual without physical body most of the time, but we do see times where they take on um, physical form, but we also see times where um, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly the the means by which that happens. So there's mm-hmm. a there's an account with um, is it uh, which one is it uh, Elijah or Elisha, where he they're surrounded uh, by these this army, and the servant you know tells him you know what's what's going to happen to us, and he asks that he be given eyes to see. And he goes out and sees this angelic host, this angelic army that so. Th- they have a physical that then, you know, 
want to say God doesn't have a physical body, mm-hmm. but he's described as strong. Mm-hmm. So strength is not necessarily how you use your physical body. I think strength is the ability to accomplish your will in spite of resistance otherwise. Right. Yeah. And like in this passage, specifically like in the Isaiah passage, let's go there real quick. Isaiah 37. Um, it the angel did have a very physical, physically clear outcome. Also, didn't Ananias and Sapphira get struck down just by the spirit? So, there's a strike when things down, This is, yeah, Isaiah. So Isaiah is prophesying towards the end of that passage, and starting in 33. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he, referring to Sennacherib, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. For by the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and she sh- he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose in the morning, behold, there were all the dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home. Right, so it kind of leaves that somewhat unclear what, how exactly that happened. Did the angel of the Lord take a physical presence? Um, there's a sense in which you know um, the Passover. You know, the angel of the Lord had this physically killed all the firstborn. How that took place isn't exactly revealed in Scripture. Did they take a physical form? Did they just <coughs> die from something, some other supernatural means? And you also have the reality of demonic possession, mm-hmm. where there is a there is a level of, of influence that they can have over physical right. yeah. things as well. Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to see when we talk about demons in, and demon <coughs> possession, kind of towards the end, is that there's sometimes that interaction where the spirit, um, kind of on the opposite end, in the same way that the Holy Spirit, I don't know if it's in the same way, but in a comparative way, the Holy Spirit enables believers to do things supernaturally that we cannot do in our own flesh. Uh, being possessed by a demon or an evil spirit can empower someone to do evil. It gives them great physical strength or other things. So there's an interaction as well. So. The angels that visited Abraham and then went on to Sodom to rescue Lot had mm-hmm. physical body, they ate food. Mm-hmm. Jacob wrestled a physical body. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 
when we say that they're spiritual beings, right, there are times when in their interaction with man, bringing the message that they will take a physical form and do some of the, like, again, interact physically. They might eat food. Um, so we see them interacting in various ways. Um, but it's not always physical, right? Sometimes it's um, in the announcement of Jesus' birth, an angelic host appears in the heavens, and but there's no sort of physical interaction that we see. Just pausing for other questions. I can see processing going on. There's little wheels like on the computer screen out there spinning around. Buffering, buffering. Uh, so, I think one more thing that we want to see in, at, at the end here, there's several scriptures about how angels, they stand in the presence of God. And so let's read a few of those. Um, Isaiah 6, 3. Okay. Nathaniel, you want to read? Sure. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Mm-hmm. Noah, are you going to... Matthew 18.10 Oh no That's right Uh, See that you do not despise nor these little ones for I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually see the face of my father who is in heaven Yeah, continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then Revelation 5, 11, and 12. Mm-hmm. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads and myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. Yeah. So definitely, we see that they are in the presence of God. So one question, I guess, as we see this description of angels, why do you think that it is somewhat, um, can be a tempting thing to maybe want to really elevate and exalt angels and worship angels? You see that in Revelation, this falling down at the feet of the angels. Why do you think? Because they're considered holy. Because mm-hmm. they're considered to be holy, set apart. Yeah. Do you remember how when um, God passed by the rock with Moses inside of it, and it was so bright that his, like, he had to veil his face, and how angels are directly in the presence of God, and so when they appear, it's like, and all of a sudden, it's like. You, you have to look away. You mm-hmm. have to look down. Mm-hmm. It's The whole presence is would be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, we see they're definitely not like man. And so although they may not be God, they appear in such greater <coughs> power. Yes? Leah? We talk about uh, we can. 1810 verse. We can't. Guardian angels? Oh, no. Well, yeah, like that's that's my question. That uh, for I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually see the face of my father who is in heaven. The like that word there, T H E I R, as mm-hmm. in belonging to them. Like, let's hash that out, please. Let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. Let's go to Matthew eighteen. 
So what's going on here in Matthew 18? So just previously, um, in the beginning parts of Matthew 18, he's, he's got, there's a child brought in, right? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus calls a child. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptation comes. And he talks about causes for sin. And if your hand or foot cause you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. And then we get to ten. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, then he goes into the parable of the lost sheep. Okay. So what are some things that we can take away just from the context? What, what's Jesus saying? How, how does children play into this? And then we'll get to the angels. A singular child that refers to a general amount. Okay, so that's an interesting point. So Chris, you're saying that... Uh, in their in heaven, their angels. So it's saying that the angels for these children. Okay. Yes. Add on to that. It, it could be possible. If he had said each of their angels. Yeah. Or the angels for each of them. That might convey that there's a specific angel for a specific child. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so it brings up a lot of questions. So one question is, you know, is there a, an, a guardian angel assigned to each child? Or is there a guardian angel that is assigned to each person that carries with them and watches over you individually uh, your entire life? Um, and so other, I don't know, is, there, is that kind of the question you're asking? Or? Another comment, just to be clear, I have a question mark in my Bible next to 1810. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, earlier in 185, uh-huh. whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. So he is actually identifying these as children who believe, mm-hmm. not children in general. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's, it's questionable in verse 10. He could be referring to the same print group, children who believe. Yeah. Although it is possible it's now become more broad to children in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there definitely does seem to be some unique angels tied to the, whichever group of children it is yeah. who stand in the presence of God in a particular way. Mm-hmm. That's why I have a question mark next to it. Yeah, I right. Don't know how that works. I yeah. was talking to John MacArthur, and I think he says... You were. <laughs> oh. I, can we bring John MacArthur into this? You want to add that? Share his comments? I'll or? The right okay. I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm just saying this is what he thinks, which I think pretty good. This is, I mean, you know, after all, John MacArthur. This does not suggest that each believer has a personal guardian angel. Rather, the pronoun is collective, refers to the fact that believers are served by angels in general. These angels are pictured continually watching the face of God as to hear his command to them to help a believer when needed. It is extremely serious to treat any fellow believer with contempt since God and the holy angels are so concerned for their well-being. Thank you, John. John? Definitely John. John? You know. Speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> well, my reference says um, the Heavenly Father uses angels to care for his childlike disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Which definitely is an interesting turn on that because that doesn't necessarily mean you're talking about children. You're talking yeah. about disciples with you know young disciples. Yeah, and if you look back at the beginning of the chapter, there is a sense in which Jesus is addressing the disciples that they ought to have a childlike faith, and then it does seem that he speaks specifically though to how we interact <laughs> with these these children, uh, whether we're causing them to sin. Um, how we treat them, whether we receive a little child. So we want children of God. Yeah. I think one thing, like we think of children as far as like, I believe the children are our future, and teach them well, let them lead the way. Yeah. Know, all the beauty they possess. Right. Like we just have this romantic view of yeah. children, yeah. right? And we just need to spend time with enough children <laughs> to spell. Um, but I think it's, it's, they don't have status. Children bring nothing. You know, to a culture obsessed with status, well, what do children bring? Well, they bring nothing. Yeah. You know, so I think that's kind of like seeing yourself as without status, without right, without claim, you know, mm-hmm. that type of absolute dependence. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, that's more of the analogy that he's going for mm-hmm. as opposed to the pure and innocent child without sin. Yeah, and one of the things that we'll talk about is we've been talking about, like, the just the description of what we know about angels as what they are like individually, we're going to talk about then what is their role, okay? And so one of the things that um, MacArthur mentions in his kind of response to this is that one of the roles of angels is to serve God in ministering to believers, whether they're adult or or children. So in a very broad sense, you know, that is one of the purposes of angels is to minister to and to assist in, in that way. And so I think it's one of those areas where um, you know, we want to study as much as we can and try not to say anything definitively beyond what the scripture says and so um, it does say that there are in, in this passage um, where are we at in verse 10 right I tell you that heaven that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven so there's a sense in which we see that there are angels who are in the presence <laughs> of God right and caring for or watching for these these little ones. How that, any more specifics beyond that, he doesn't really clarify in this. So, other thoughts?
Is anybody's angel telling them something different? Or? <laughs> if we're talking about guardian angels, like every individual person has a guardian angel who sees over them and protects them and does all the things, why do we have an all-present, all-knowing God if he needs all of his angels to know everything about every person? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will talk about, and I think we will talk about, like, even numbers, how many angels are there, how many... Believers are there? How many demons are there? And like, what is their role? And also, like, you make an interesting connection, right? So there's, there's, God's work in what He does for mankind and for the elect, and then there's the role of angels and how do those two interact with one another? And then I think it'll be even more interesting to think, uh, how do angels, demons, and even Satan fit into God's sovereign control of all things? So. God is sovereign over all of his creation and all of, all of his created beings over man, over angels, over demons, and over Satan. And so there's this, the angels have their will and their desire to serve God and be his messengers. The demons have theirs, Satan has his. But all of it falls under, God, under God's sovereign control of this plan. And there does actually seem to be, in, uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, Michael, the archangel, is called the great prince who has charge of your people, mm-hmm. the people of Israel. So there does seem to be a sense in which there can be angels who have charge over groups mm-hmm. and that time will be there mm-hmm. in Israel. So maybe that's, you know, believers in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure, but well, there's, yeah, and it seems that there's a sense in which when it talks about angels, they, they often are given, these angels do this. Right. Like, this is their role. This is the seraphim, and they do this. This is the cherubim, and they do this. Um, so there's definitely a sense in which God's angels serve certain purposes. And one of the purposes he mentions here is that they, uh, they see the face of my Father in heaven, right? And they, they're in his presence. And we'll read other times, we'll read about the temptation, how angels came and ministered um, to Jesus. We'll read about all the different roles that those, those angels had. Okay, let's get into the beginning of their ministry. I got a little bit of time. So, one of the chief primary things that we see a lot of in terms of um, their role in Scripture is that they are continually praising and glorifying God. Continually praising and glorifying God. So, Job 38 7. Elijah, can you get that one? Yeah, so what term is used here for angels? Morning stars. Morning stars, okay. And sons of God, right? So again, not just the angels, the angels, the angels. There's different different descriptions, okay? Psalm 103, 20. Gabe, you'll get that. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Yeah, so we see three different actions. Bless the Lord, his angels. What else do they do? Who? Um, Perform his word and obey. Mm -hmm. (coughs) So they're blessing the Lord and in the midst of their performing his word and obeying the voice. And then 
Revelation 7.11, right? You can get that one. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Right, so what do they do, right? Who they are, and then what they do, we see that they worship. Worship, right? They worship God. And these passages, do we see this Old Testament, New Testament, um, after, sec- after the second coming? When, when do we see these things happening? I actually have a question. Oh, go for it. Creatures. Like the ones that are like upholding the throne, I think. Yeah. I would say they'd probably fall into the category of angels. They could be a specific, again, specific well, they have role. Different features, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Revelation, right? Seven. Always go to the context. And. One of those things about not having a physical form, like the ways in which angels are described, it's there's a variety of things. Places where it's they're having wings. There's places where they're you know kind of a military. They're in chariots. There are places where they have all these different faces. Um, okay, so cross reference chapter five, six, and seven. Okay, so let's. Also, okay, so we'll try and hit, hit each of those. Okay, so which one were you looking at first? Four, six would be the first. Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Sounds like the seraphim from Isaiah 6. The wings and the holy, holy, holy. So there's definitely a a variety, right? It's, It's... I think about um, you know it very, and I and I'm assuming that the words here don't quite do justice to 
all the splendor and the glory of each of those living creatures. Chris? Aren't the four living creatures four cherubim for like hold the throne of the Lord? Are you talking about a specific passage? I, I can't remember which passage. Isaiah 6. Is, reference that each well, we can go back to Isaiah 6. Seraphim. So we have cherubim are mentioned in some places. There's seraphim in others. Isaiah. So Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and one called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so, the description is not quite exactly the same. There's a lot of similarity, right? Um, we have the revelation where you have the different faces. You do have six wings described in the Revelation's passage, but there's this full of eyes around and within. Um, and so, could be, could be that there are two different types. You have that seraphim, and then you've got the living creatures, and both types have six, six wings. It seems like here there's a number, right? The four. Here in uh, Isaiah 6, there's no real mention of a specific number of how many seraphim there are. So, both, or rather they're one and the same, are, are worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, which kind of the main point we want to take away, we can be sure, is that angels, one of their main activities is worshiping, right, worshiping. And how, how often, so here in Isaiah, it gives this specific instance, and then, uh, in the Revelation, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, the 24 elders fall down. Um, there's some place where it says they always are doing this. And so like how often they're doing it, when they do it, that's also a little bit different from passage to passage. There's but another description in Ezekiel. Is this the, <laughs> the wheel, the passage that you... Well, there is uh, four creatures. Ezekiel, which chapter? One, five, three. The long description I know. Is this the one that the wheels that turn? go and from the midst of it so this is uh, Ezekiel saying uh, I, I look behold a stormy wind came out of the north in a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually and in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal right so some things that are were absent in some of the other descriptions we have fire gleaming metal a cloud from storm and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures and this was their appearance. They had human likeness, but each had four faces. So each one had four faces. 
Each of them had four wings. Okay, their legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like the sole of a cow's foot. So you can see again variety of description in terms of wings, faces. They had straight legs, but the sole of a calf's foot. Right. So there's these different visions. And what are they doing? Right. Do we know what they're doing here? Yeah, and it continues to go on. Continues. Fifteen is talking about saw a wheel where they went. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in Samuel four four and also Second Samuel six two, it directly references that the Lord is enthroned above cherubim. So. God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord, opposed to his enthroned above the cherubim. And then in 1 Samuel, um, so the people sent to Shiloh, and from there they carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who sits above the cherubim. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the Ezekiel passage, if you go all the way into the chapter, he gives this description of 28 verses about what it was like and what he saw. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And the Lord begins to speak to Ezekiel. And you see a similar thing happen in the Revelation passage. They say, holy, holy, holy is Lord, what has happened? Everyone falls down and worships. So they're not only worshiping themselves, but the witness of them calls others to also fall down and worship the Lord. Uh, when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And so that's one of the key roles of angels is that they are worshiping themselves and when others uh, are in their presence it causes others to fall down and worship as well. These angels that are in the presence of the Lord are then sometimes revealed. Um, what are some, uh, can you guys think of other times in scripture? Well, you guys have done quite a few. So we hit Ezekiel, <laughs> yeah. we've got Revelation, we've got Samuel. Other times where angels enter the scene and causes worship. Or they're worshiping, that that's what's going on. How about Jesus' birth? Right? Or the announcement of Jesus' birth, right? Mm -hmm. So the shepherds in the field. Let's go there. Anybody know where that is? <coughs> Guessing Matthew or Luke. Luke Yeah, Luke 2. Starting in 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, all the people. For unto you this is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to, to us. So we see kind of two different things there. We see him worshiping, causing worship at the end, but what other role did the angel play here? 
messenger. Right, they're a messenger. So many times angels reveal and communicate God's messages uh, directly to humans. So I think that's probably a good place for us to stop. We'll pick up there next time about angels revealing and communicating God's message to humans. You guys are feel free to look ahead and go through things and br- yeah, bring more cross references <laughs> questions. Actually, in First uh, Corinthians, it says oh, we'll direct it back and forth. All right, well, let's pray. Father, it is a great encouragement as we look at how you have created not just the heavens and not just the earth. You've created man, but you have created the angels. And as we study about angels and what they're like, um, we're filled with awe and wonder at a God that is so great and mighty and powerful and also so creative um, to see the many, many ways in which angels look, the way that they work, the way that they function. And it's a great encouragement to know and to begin to look at their their purpose of how they worship you, how they lead and guide worship, how they are always bringing you glory and how they minister to and care for us as the believers and as your children. And so I pray that as we continually study about angels, that we would see you as an even greater and more magnificent God and see them and how they fit into your role and into your plan, that we would just give you more praise and worship. And pray that as we go uh, continue our time of gathering today, that our mind and heart would be filled with your greatness and your glory in a way that reflects back to you your great love that you've poured out on us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.